three. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm sure that little saying will be fulfilled in our lives in time to come, but not today. Yet we are happy to be in the presence of the Lord and around his word. And in love, we invite you to share with us again today. May the word of the Lord be the voice of the Lord to each of your hearts. Encouragement in warning us, in, in uplifting us, and in teaching us today. We're going to bow for a moment in prayer as we commit our lives and God's word to our hearts today. Father God, we are reminded today that your word will never return to you empty. It will accomplish its purpose. And so for the many who listen today and for the hearts that are open, I praise you for that. But pray this morning that this word might not harden any heart or galvanize any heart. We pray that you uplift us, enlighten us and give us insight and give us a willingness to obey your word today. Father, thank you that we're Christians and we know this by our love one for another. For greater love had no man than this and the man who laid down his life for his friends. And you said of your church, the body of Christ, you are my friends. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I was browsing through uh, this week and noticed that the all of a sudden the satanic church had made its claim that the satanic church is opened in Cape Town. Isn't it interesting that the devil, under the guise as an angel of light, once again tries to copy the church? Well, let me remind you that we we must be aware of the of the um, tricks of the devil to try to engage us. And people are saying about the satanic church, it's not that the devil exists, it's just that these people worship God in this way. I want to remind you, don't be deceived, the devil is the largest of deceivers. And through this, I do believe, people's hearts become hardened to the truth when they're presented with these alternatives. So I want to remind you this morning, as we go back to the life of Moses, looking at the man called Pharaoh. Pharaoh means king. He was king of Egypt, the mighty empire. He ruled the world virtually. He ruled a nation as well called Israel, God's people. And they'd been there for just on 400 years. And God is about to deliver them. And I want you to notice that Moses and Aaron, the two spokesmen of God, are now in the presence of God. They represent the Almighty, and they're able to put God's particular um, word to Pharaoh. Let's see what he does with the word that comes from God. And afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Pharaoh is an interesting character and we find that he does something very interesting in the book of Exodus. We read each time that 
God showed him his greatness. The Bible says he hardened his heart against God. And the heart of man becomes harder and harder in the light of the presence and the evidence of God himself. And so we go to the, to the book of Hebrews and we see there uh, that the Bible is teaching us clearly that we should not harden our hearts against the Lord. I'm very concerned in these days that we've come to a place where the gospel is almost just hearsay, where the things from God are just okay, but we do not take them seriously because we have forgotten who this word comes from. And you will notice here that the Bible says, we can sin against a flood of light. And what will happen to you when you do that? You, you disobey in spite of the evidence. You don't change your life in spite of what God says. Your heart is in the process of being hardened. And we come back then, um, and we notice that Pharaoh hardened his own heart by his actions. And beloved, that little word we need to take to heart today, and I believe it says, what was wrong with Pharaoh? It was his belief. His belief was wrong. Someone has said, the way you believe is the way you behave. You want to know why you behave the way you do? It's what you believe about God, about yourself, about your circumstance. It's that belief that you act out in life each day. Have you ever tried to find out why you live the way you do? Why you do the things you do? Well, look at Pharaoh's life. It's a typical example. You read the whole story of how he rejected God's request to let Israel go. It was because of what he believed. And that belief ended up in his demise. He hardens his own heart until God, right at the end, just puts the caption on and doesn't allow him the opportunity again to harden his heart. God hardens his heart for him. And those are difficult words. Um, so the heart becomes harder and harder the longer we resist. And I need to take you here this morning and notice with you in the Bible um, that Moses is God's spokesman before Pharaoh. He's not speaking just as Moses said, as the people of Israel desire. Now he's speaking as this is what the Lord Yahweh wants from you, the Almighty wants from you, Pharaoh. Well, you see, he, he had revealed himself. And uh, the Lord God had said, I am the Lord. And in that statement, what is God saying? I'm showing myself to you, Pharaoh. I'm a God of revelation. I'm the God who seeks you out, Pharaoh. But Pharaoh is insolent. He's lifted up his resistance and his unbelief against God. God's will, my dear people, <clears throat> excuse me, is found in God, God's foreknowledge. He knew these things from the before the foundation of the world. He is the eternal and the living God. But Pharaoh will not listen. How do I know that? He doesn't obey. Don't tell me you listen to God unless you obey God. Moses and Aaron 
take and they put a sign in front of Pharaoh. They cast down God's sign, the rod that, Mo that uh, uh, Moses had in his hand. They cast it down and there's a serpent. Now, if you looked at Pharaoh on his throne, he'd be sitting with this gorgeous crown and right in the front is this, uh, is this the snake rearing its head. And you see, the snake is the all-powerful cobra. The feared cobra. Well, he is a dictator and a ruler. And what does this picture do? They throw Moses' rod down and it becomes a serpent. They pick it up and it becomes a rod. <laughs> and Pharaoh's pretty tickled at this. So he calls his magicians in. They do the same thing. But the rod eats Moses' rod, Moses' serpent, eats the other serpents up. What's he saying? God has more authority over you Pharaoh than you have over yourself. He shows his mighty power. And he even shows his mercy as a living God. But Pharaoh doesn't see it that way. He doesn't understand it that way. And he doesn't accept it that way. What does God evidence to you that says that he is the only true and living God? And yet you've substituted him for something else. And so you live in rejection of what God shows you about himself. I want to say that as one looks at it, the Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. He's not going to submit to this God. He says in Exodus chapter 5 verse 2, he says, um, I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. That's the intention of his heart. That's the process of hardening his heart. So the first thing I want to deal with this morning is rebellion. When you look at Pharaoh's action, you see rebellion. Now rebellion is sin against God. Rebellion is rejection. I do not know him, this Lord, and I don't want Israel to go. I don't want to fulfill his wishes. I don't want to obey his will. Even though he in his great foreknowledge has predicted that Israel leave this land, I'm not prepared to let them go. Could you shake your fist in the face of Almighty God like that and tell God that you will not do it? You can. But in the process, you put a layer of hardening your own heart. The same sun that melts the ice will harden the clay. And I say to you, beware of the word of God that comes personally, that you do not put into obedience. You harden the clay. Don't tell God from his word. Don't change those things God tells you from his word. Do them. They're for your benefit, lest your heart become hardened against God. Well, if we put all this together, well, let's define rebellion. It's an open opposition to supreme authority. It's the first step in hardening his heart. You live like you want to. You live in opposition to all that God has ordained for you. I need us to notice this morning that re rebellion is violating the revealed will of God. You say, not your will, God, but my will be done. I've got this problem. I live with it. You'll just have to accept it. God says, no, 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 no. You change what you're doing. You obey me and listen to me and let me deliver you and set you free. I'm a delivering God. Well, who has rebelled against God as we sit here today? All of us. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And the outworking of sin is rebellion. 
Pharaoh was rebellious. There's these little things I'd like to summarize here for you. First of all, the sign of rebellion is defensiveness. He was defensive. What was his defense? What about my slaves? What about my work? You want me to let them go for three days. What happens to me? He's on the defensive. Are you defensive this morning? Your whole week God has been speaking to you and you're defensive. You, you've got an excuse for what you want to do. And why God should just accept what you want to do. Secondly, I'd like us to notice that rebellion has a little evidence called defiance. It's, a, it's linked to attitude. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Now, we don't often say that. But that's, that's the attitude with which we say a lot of things. Defiance. Pharaoh defied the word of God. Thirdly is this. He was a man who couldn't be trusted. He was distrustful. He said from time to time, you can go, and then he changed his mind. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Pharaoh was unstable because he was in the process of hardening his own heart and, and letting God harden it right at the end. Be careful, my friend. You don't find yourself in that position this morning. Pharaoh, if I see him, did not want to give up the way he, he was living. Did not, or didn't want to give up the fact that the people called him a god. And oh, he loved that. Pharaoh was worshipped. Pharaoh was seen as the all, all and in all of everything. He was God. But he did not know God, the true God. Therefore, I'll give it to him. He couldn't trust the living God. He hardened his heart again. Secondly, I'd like us to notice here, from rebellion comes rejection. Oh, we don't like to be rejected, that's true. But have you ever thought about when you reject God, how God the Father feels? He rejected the evidence of the miracles. When they put the, the, the rod on the ground, he didn't acknowledge it was from God. When those, that serpent ate all the other serpents, he didn't, didn't bow down and say, Almighty God, you are supreme. When Moses put his hand into his chest and pulled it out leprous, he, he was not impressed. The God who heals was the God who was present. And so what's he saying? He did not acknowledge the signs of the Almighty. There are some people, they love miracles. I think everybody does. And we, we would acknowledge miracles and we would thrive on miracles. But it doesn't bring any change to their life. It doesn't bring any change to their belief. These miracles... In the, in the light of them, he didn't change his belief. It is Jesus Christ who on one occasion could not do miracles in a certain place. And he says to them, I can't do this miracle in your heart, in your life, in your home, because of your unbelief. Yes, when your heart is hardened, you continue to display unbelief. Whether we acknowledge it, or whether we don't. The next thing I'd like us to notice, that Pharaoh's rejection was out of pride. Oh boy, he was the God of the nation. He was the God who controlled the world. And he set himself up as that God. And you will see in the plagues that God eventually will deal with them next week, where each plague comes. And each God, the God of the Nile, the God of the earth, those gods that Egypt worshipped, 
were put down by God as he exalts himself. And through that, God shows his mercy and his power to this Pharaoh. But he's still unconvinced. He's still hard of heart, all because of his pride. As a man of God, I, I, I humbly say to you, I go every day to God and check my pride. I fail, but I check my pride. Because if I exalt myself above God, who am I? And I would lovingly say, you see, Pharaoh begins to take the fall as his pride is displayed. Rejection also, not only out of pride, but the rejection leads to bondage. The children of Israel were in bondage to Israel, to, to Egypt, but they wanted to leave. He wouldn't let them go. But what about him? Because of his rejection of God, he gets into bondage. His own pride doesn't lead him to believe. His own pride kept him in unbelief. And the hardness of heart continues. He had the inability to believe and experience the freedom of a great, merciful, powerful, and loving God. He chose to believe in himself. Isn't that the modern philosophy today? We choose to believe in ourselves. And my brothers and my sisters, the way you believe is the way you behave. It's just as clear as that. Okay, and then lastly, I need us to notice here that this rejection comes out of rebellion. It leads to judgment. We quickly take the story all the way through and notice something here. That the death of the firstborn of the firstborn is the last straw that breaks the camel's back. But do you think Pharaoh would let the people go? He wouldn't until God broke him in that day. And the judgment of God is through death. Of all of sin that come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Spiritual separation, now physical separation from God. Then there comes his final demise at the Red Sea. He's rebelling in full throttle. He's racing toward the Red Sea to bring the children of Israel all the way back. And God puts him and his whole army at the bottom of the Red Sea. Judgment comes. Pharaoh was in bondage to himself and his own beliefs. Pharaoh experienced the judgment of God instead of the mercy of God. It is a terrible thing, my brothers and sisters, to fall into the hands of the living God. Have you prayed, Lord, take my life? Let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. It means you put your life in God's hands to believe in him, to trust him, and to know him as he is, and to live for him as you should. You can't live for him the way you want to. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Because God is a God of judgment, as well as a God of mercy. Pharaoh was wise, says the Bible, in his own eyes. Pharaoh was angry, for the fool has an empty head. He didn't think the right way. What happened to him? The hardness of his heart cost him the judgment of God. What is Pharaoh's problem then? You say, oh, I'd never do that. Have a look around you. You've read the word. You've heard the word, the TV program this morning. You've listened. 
to testimonies. You thrive on these things, but your life never changes towards God. Is Are you becoming gospel hardened? You sing the praises of all these great churches that put their music on, but your heart never moves in love toward God and no obedience. If there's no obedience, there's no love. If there's no love, there's no obedience. Your heart just becomes hardened through these things and you continue callously in your own way. My prayer this morning is that we will look at godly sorrow. One problem I find Pharaoh never had, that he had, no godly sorrow. He wasn't sorry before God what he was doing. And godly sorrow works repentance. He couldn't even take the first step of repentance. His heart was so hard towards God. Therefore, there was no conviction. And there was no change in Pharaoh's attitude or his life towards God's people. I was reading in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and looking at verse 17. And there's a little word that Paul uses there, the word Gentile. He said, you are not uh, like this. But he says, I say and I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Paul is interested in lifestyle, in the way you and I live. And what does he say? He said, these Gentiles, these unbelievers, these pagans, these people with their own philosophy of life, who believe that they are the creators of all things, he says that they are likened to the Gentiles, not the believing people of God, but the unbelieving people. And he says this, they walk in the futility of their own mind. Futility is there's no production. There's no spiritual benefit in the way they live. Secondly, if you look at it carefully with verse 18, they have their understanding darkened. If you're living in the emptiness of your own thinking, it's not productive, then your understanding is darkened. You're not walking in the light, but you're walking in the darkness. God is light. He's, there's no darkness in Him at all. There's no sin in God. You can't walk with God in sin, in darkness and light together. It doesn't work that way. Separate yourself from the sinful world. The second picture of the hardened heart is this alienation through our actions and through our attitude and through the condition of our hearts we alienate ourselves from God what does that mean we separate ourselves in this relationship with God it's an alienation God has nothing to do with the works of darkness in your life and mine fourthly is this there is ignorance says Paul we're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. We're ignorant of the real things that God has for us. We're ignorant of spiritual things. And we believe as long as we've got something going, we're okay. But God says the something is not enough. It's something spiritual in this relationship that counts for you and for me. Do not live in ignorance. You see, the book of Romans chapter 1 says that God gave people over to a reprobate mind. And listen to me, God will give you over to what you lustfully in bondage that you live in. He'll give you over to that. In the process, your heart will harden. And what will become of you? Your argument on the day of judgment will be no good. The reprobate, the reprobate mind 
comes to this, the mind that is against God eventually, what does it do? It's a, it's a mind that rejects the truth that God is speaking to you about this morning. Secondly, you cannot change. You cannot change. Oh, my brother and sister, it's only God who can change you. And then there's the blindness, he says, in the spiritual walk. Not only the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling, no more conscience bothers you. I remember as a young boy, the only luxury we had in our home was a tin of condensed milk. My mother said, don't you touch it. You should punch your two holes and pour it into our coffee sometimes. But we used to run to that cupboard and suck it out. First time you did it, you felt so bad. The third time you did it, you didn't feel too bad. The last time you did it, you didn't care. You know, And that's what happens. The Bible says here that we become unfeeling towards these things. And Pharaoh didn't care a hoot. You and I in our sin and our rebellion and our disobedience don't care a hoot because we're so filled with pride and ourselves. Our hearts get hardened. Well, are you going to continue to believe that? Are you going to continue to walk in the unbelief of your own life? Because it's going to be displayed in your lifestyle. Are you going to walk in the blindness just blindly carrying on without taking notice of that God-given conscience that makes you conscious of righteousness and truth and peace. Past feeling. Neither God in His mercy nor God in His power convinced Pharaoh at all. You've got it all around you. What more must God do to convince you to turn in your heart? The Bible says, in this day, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but repent of your sin and come to God in this moment. Don't be like an unbelieving Gentile, an unbelieving Pharaoh. Don't let this process harden you. Come to God this morning with godly sorrow and say, Lord, you've worked in me that work of repentance. I turn to you. I trust you this morning with all my heart. There's no maturity in a believer's life until we start to obey the living word of God. I've told this story before, but I'd like to illustrate today. A young boy went to work, work on a farm, and the farmer would always have a quiet time with his workers. And when his turn came to read the Bible, the boy would say, not for me. To pray, he wouldn't pray. He wouldn't participate. And one day he said to the farmer, Farmer, you leave me out of that. I'm not, I'm not spiritual at all. And each day the Word of God was read and would touch his heart, touch his heart, touch his heart. And behind the plow, as the horses pulled the plow, he heard the Spirit of God say, Today, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Give me your life. And eventually the plowboy stopped the plow, jumped behind a, fed, a hedge, and said to God, Leave me alone. Some months went by, and the horses ran away one day with the plow. 
and he was badly injured. The workers came running to help him, but he was bleeding profusely. And the farmer pleaded with him and said, Son, have you made it right with God? He said, Leave me alone. And passed on into eternity. He died in ignorance. He died in the futility of his own thinking. He died in disobedience. He died with a hardened heart against the true and the living God. Whereas God has blessing upon blessing for us if only we will respond to him. Don't let God harden your heart. In the day of provocation, that'll be too late forever. Father, I pray this morning for a spirit of repentance. I pray for a conscience, Lord, that will make us conscious and bring us to repentance with godly sorrow. That, Lord, we will not, out of rebellion, continue to reject you. We will not violate you, Lord, but acknowledge you again this morning. You are the true and the living God. Help us to clean up our lifestyle and turn to you with all our heart and soul and mind and bless you that you're our God and follow in your divine predestined will for all of us. Lord, I pray, you've planned our lives, lead us in the way everlasting. If this is life, we choose it in you today and ask you to bring us into the fullness of your blessing. Bless this congregation, bless our boys and girls, moms and dads, bless those who've been fed through the church, the feeding scheme this week. Father, may the message of the word not harden the heart, but draw the heart to the true and living God. Be still and know that I am God. In Jesus' name, Amen. The Lord bless you today, and the Lord keep you. Just to remind you of your tithes and offerings, the end of the month is coming. Folks, we're in uh, difficult times, so are you. But we pray that you go to the bank and put your little bit in, to the glory of God, it should be on your screen. And then uh, some of you will enjoy some of the, the, the shots on the feeding that we've had during the week. I trust you're going to enjoy that. God continues to supply. If you're a recipient of this blessing, I want you to give praise to God for his great provision this morning. Mayfair Baptist, we rejoice for the Lord God reigns. Amen. Amen.